Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Tuesday, November 7th begins now. On today's show, Ben welcomes back CTU President Stacey Davis-Gates. The Ben Jarofsky Show is a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. If you want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, or what to drink when you're out on the town, you want to go to ChicagoReader.com to find out. And if you like news stories, politics, if you like uh, to know what Ben Jarofsky is going to read this week, you can check all that out too. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarowski here. We're calling this Carlos Steps Down Tuesday, and here's why. Man, I could call it so many different things, ladies and gentlemen, and I made the mistake. It's not really a mistake because uh, it's like I should be doing it anyway. But before I came uh, on the air, I wrote down all this stuff about uh, Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa uh, stepping down as floor leader for Brandon Johnson, stepping down as zoning committee chair uh, because of his what bullying accusations that were le- levied against him uh, last week uh, against uh, Alderwoman Emma Mitz and some other older people in the Chicago City Council with Thursday's uh, special meeting. Uh, and then I be- started watching the city council proceedings, uh, and all of a sudden I saw Emma Mitz, incredible testimony. So it's like, oh, my God, Emma speaks. I was going to talk about that. Then Carlos got up, and he said, I apologize humbly. And then Emma Mitz came over and hugged him. They literally hugged on the council floor. I had, like, tears in my eyes because I'm so old and just so sentimental these days. Everybody laughs at me. I, I cry at anything, <laughs> absolutely anything. <laughs> Emma Mitz hugs Carlos. I'm like, can't we all get along? Mm. You know? uh, and then, of course, the debate starts in the city council. I'm still watching the debate as we go on about crowding the ballot. It, are Mayor Brandon Johnson and his allies on the city council trying to crowd out yes. from the ballot? <laughs> yes. My distinguished guest, Stacey Davis-Gates, cannot hold back. Okay, she had yes. Yeah. We'll get into it. Are they trying to crowd out? Uh, It's really funny because I'm watching, uh, and you know what? In the spirit of Emma Mitz hugging Carlos and just accepting his apology, I'm going to just not be snarky or sarcastic or anything like that today, Stacey. I'm going to speak highly of my good friend Raylo, Raymond Lopez. Why would you do that? Because that's what we do, okay? No, that's not what we do. Can I, no, because that's not what he did. What you saw between Emma and Carlos should have been Emma and Carlos. Like, it was touching. All right. But before we get to that, let me just finish the point I was about to make. Oh, my so God. So the point I was about to make was uh, that, of course, they're trying to crowd out the ballot with meaningless questions. 
because the question they're crowding out is itself a meaningless question. As we discussed, if you want to get into the specifics of it, that question about should Chicago remain a sanctuary city has absolutely nothing to do with the situation with Venezuelan immigrants coming to Chicago and sleeping on police stations. I think Stacey Davis Gates will agree with me on that. So that my Ray Lowe gets up and Anthony Beale gets up and said, this is so important that we have this question. And it's as meaningless as whether we should get a flood plan. Of course, we should get a flood plan for the city of Chicago. But anyway, uh, I'll go back to what I was going to say about Carlos Stacey, then I'll bring you on and you get your thoughts. Uh, I love Carlos Ramirez Rosa. I'm not going to be one of these guys who throws him under the bus. Uh, he screwed up last week, clearly. He apologized for it. He took a beating for it. He's been pummeled for it. Uh, and everybody goes, Ben, how could you like uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa? How could you like this guy? And my first response to anybody who says it to me, well, clearly you don't run a podcast. Okay, if you ran a podcast, you would love Carlos Ramirez Rosa because one, he's always available. Two, he's always got something interesting to say. And three, he is a lively and artful debater. I've had him on the stage at uh, first Tuesday. He's debated Joe Moore. He debated David Moore. Who was the last person he debated? I'm blanking. The mayor. Yes. Oh, my God. SDG remembered it. He debated Brandon Johnson, ladies and gentlemen. And that's when I that's when I realized that Brandon Johnson had a little oomph to that because I thought for certain when we began it that uh, Carlos would just mop the floor with him. But Brandon came in with a few haymakers. And the next thing I know, they were going at it, rhetorically speaking, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm not going to throw Carlos Ramirez Rosa under a bus. He apologized for what he did. He overreacted. Uh, and uh, Carlos, you're welcome back in the show anytime. We've got a feeling maybe a while uh, before you go public. Uh, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to throw him under the bus because he overreacted. I will say this, Stacey, and then get your thoughts on everything. Stacey Davis-Gates is uh, holding back. I will say this. I think Carlos was in an impossible situation last Thursday. Uh, I feel as though the um, the, the issue of immigrants coming to Chicago and Chicago spending money to help those immigrants um, is such an inflammatory issue at this moment in time to a large degree because people in Chicago have been brainwashed. I say this all the time by MAGA and Trump. Um, but also there is the issue. It's a very potent issue uh, in the black community. Desmond Yancey, Fifth Ward Alderman, showed up at that meeting at the promontory and they were like, what, how many people were there? 200 people screaming at him. My dear friend Jeanette Taylor has had to uh, have public meetings with people screaming at her. Ronnie Mosley had a meeting where people screaming at her. It is incumbent upon this administration and this city, in my humble opinion, and it's the entire city, to try to use this quote-unquote crisis, which is really an opportunity, but to use this quote-unquote crisis to help everybody in the city of Chicago, especially people in the black wards especially black people who've been overlooked year after year after year in this city. And so for Carlos to be positioned or feel like he had to be positioned at the, at the front of the city council chamber to keep people from all the people to coming on. I know that and vote on the referendum. I know it's a diversionary referendum. I know it's an inflammatory referendum. I know it's a meaningless question, but still it's a very potent and powerful issue. You can't just expect all the people who have to come before their constituents to ignore it. So I think Carlos, even though he admittedly behaved badly, uh, was put in a very 
impossible position last Thursday to try to block a meeting uh, that the Alder people did not want blocked. All right, without further ado, Stacey Davis Gates is very patiently waiting to get her two cents in. Uh, she's the president of the Chicago Teachers Union and a dear friend of the show, just like Carlos Schmerz Rosa. So, Stacey, speak your mind. Anyone working in public service in this city right now is doing an impossible job. We often like to boil it down to these inflection points, and that's why they're so sensational when we do boil them down um, to these inflection points. <laughs> they're not inflection points. Black people are mad that immigrants are here. Black people are mad because the harm done to them and their ancestors has never been repaired or even really acknowledged. And the trauma is, re is triggered all over again when there seems like there is less and less understanding of that. And understanding comes in the prioritization of the communities and the spaces in which we occupy. And um, I don't want this to become that. Whatever happened in city council is emblematic of the way in which white supremacy works against people who don't have and who are melanated is that we begin to fight over things that don't even matter. Black people don't want to live in a base camp. We don't want the same things from this city. Immigrants want to start. We want to be made whole. Those are two different things. And people like Ray Lopez, who try to dictate and hijack, for that matter, these discussions, don't mean us any good. I don't care how many times he say black woman. And then number two, those of us who lead injustice and equity are human and we get to be multidimensional. See, the worst part of this is that Carlos cannot be human in this moment. That's the worst part of it. And to be human means that you get to be a complex figure. You get to do very wonderful things. And he's done very wonderful things in six short months. And you also get to make mistakes. And he said he made a mistake and he begged for forgiveness. And Emma hugged him in acceptance of that contrition. If only we all could be met with that sort of acceptance when we fall down. So I hate that we have had a front row seat to other people's machinations. I hate that we continue to sensationalize human frailty, right? People can't hold what Emma said either in that chamber of what that was, that trauma that was triggered in her in that moment. See, people see things, but they don't always feel things. So you, you can give Emma her humanity and, and we better give her her humanity. And we also have to give Carlos his as well. And that's what they demonstrated today in that chamber. They gave each other their humanity and God blessed them for that, right? For that example. And God blessed our mayor for being steady 
throughout this, for not going high or low, but for telling a whole story and still calling us to something more. See, it's it's hard to see. You know, you're a Bulls fan. I'm going to take a slight pivot from Carlos and Emma because that is a little emotional for me. Because, number one, I don't like other people telling Black women's story. And everyone told her story before she spoke today. That's a problem. And I also don't like that Carlos wasn't able to get the benefit of the doubt inquiry from his colleagues. I ain't even talking about anyone else. But that should have been in their chamber. Shame on Ray Lopez for breaking their fraternity, sorority. Like, that's a space that they inhabit together, that they get to moderate and modulate and deal with themselves. You understand what I'm saying? Like the intrusion of social media before they were able to level set. And they got to get that right because they're grownups. They they deserve to be vulnerable with each other without all of us judging it from the outside. They get to make mistakes without them being in headlines. And then they also get to beg for forgiveness and they get to be wrong too. We're human. You know, it's like give people a break. But to the to the point that I was about to make about the, the mayor and the leadership in this moment is that people ain't high-fiving Mayor Johnson for his leadership in this moment. And I was a little offended until I thought about it a bit. People don't even see or feel his leadership in a way because they are so taken with everything that's happening in this moment until they can't just point out one thing, right? Pay time off, bring Chicago home, the end of sub-minimum wage, a budget that seems to have the universal approval of most everyone in that chamber, a parental leave policy for the Chicago public schools, not just for my members, but for all of them, that is second to none in school districts across this country. That's in the first six months. You could say with the inclusion of the labor department that he is probably one of the best labor, right, um, leaders, (laughs) certainly elected officials of this century and perhaps last, right? But you would never know it because it keeps moving and it's steady. And you and it it just works. Now we would know it if it was crazy, right? But think about everything that's being done in this moment. And people said he wasn't an executive leader. I remember that, you know, for black for black people like me, that was cold for that. He couldn't, he was dumb. That's what it was cold for. And and Paul Vallis never met a budget he didn't leave imbalanced, you know? And so this idea that he's about to pass a budget that no one can be mad about, and even the Civic Federation can say, well, dang, okay, (laughs) thumbs up. The Civic Federation, the bond rating agencies upgraded Chicago. Do you understand that his credit rating, a man on a payment plan, the credit rating got better since he's been mayor. But people talking about Carlos and Emma in a way in which we should have never ever been privy to because that was taken and made into a circus that did not respect order woman mitts humanity 
it can't respect it. It made it a, a circus, you know, on the news and stuff. That's not the way you want to see someone like her. Mm -mm. So, but it distracts from the way in which this mayor is changing the very fabric of this city and the way that working people now have a shot at an affordable house because they're making a decent wage, they can go on parental leave and have some paid time off. But they want to watch us in our worst and our most vulnerable state and our most pain state. Man, come on. Uh, all right. Uh, to that list, I would add uh, one more uh, that my friends of the leftist persuasion don't usually add to the list. Uh, he struck a, a deal with the police. And the police have a new contract uh, with a substantial raise. Uh, and Johnny Catanzaro, the head of the Fraternal Order of Police, uh, praised uh, Brandon Johnson. Said, well, you never would. I, I clearly didn't support Brandon Johnson for mayor, but this has been a very favorable administration. And I point that out. Stacey continually point that out because one of the accusations, one of the talking points of the ballast campaign was that uh, if Brandon Johnson were elected mayor, hundreds of cops would leave Chicago and there would be chaos. <laughs> right. I remember reading and hearing it. Um, you know, it is terrible that union leaders have people believing that the only thing that their members want is um, higher wages. It is terrible that the only thing that that labor leader said was positive was the fact that his workers could get paid more. That's different from what Sean Fain is saying with the UAW. Sean Fain is saying that his workers want to live in a society that is sustainable and that they want to be a part of its green evolution. And he bargained for it. You see the difference in that like perspective and the fact that he's also missing that his members, like my members, have to live in the city of Chicago. So if the quality of life is better for working families in Chicago, right, it is better for their neighbors too. And that this, this society that the mayor is building is not just about his members getting a higher wage. It's about the sustainability and the safety and the livability of this city. And it's a shame that he only boils it down to that. Fair enough. But the point is a contract agreement was reached between uh, Brandon Johnson's administration and uh, the police union, which is something that nobody predicted. I'm just saying. Why? Why? No. What, so nobody, nobody predicted that the mayor's administration would be able. And, and here's the other part about it. And this part where people keep forgetting that that contract does have to go before the city council. And that contract is in two parts. Right. The way I read it, the Tribune did a pretty decent job. Right. Oh, I said a bad word. Wait, which part? Tribune? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can say Tribune on this show. <laughs> I got no problem with the Tribune. Well, I do. <laughs> yeah, the uh, editorial board, maybe, but the reporters hey, themselves are good people, okay? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All, well, then tell their editorial board, which are their bosses, to do better. 
out loud. Wait, I don't think. Wait, wait. The editorial writers are not the bosses of like Greg Pratt. No, they're just a different wing of the building. Yes. Yeah, a different wing of the universe. Yes, (laughs) that is true. A different wing. Anyway, finish your thought. I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh, but it was no. What you were saying was that the contract itself is divided into two parts. Oh, yeah, uh, yes. So it's divided into two parts. So, um, part A, if you will, are the wages um, that they're paid, and mm-hmm. and the part two is that part about accountability, and um, where the 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 discipline is meted out, and how transparent it is. And so the city council has to make that decision. And so um, I look forward to how that is managed and quite frankly, how the union leader speaks to that that city council. Um, and that city council is passing some pretty progressive um, legislation that centers working families um, and working families in this city by and large are families of color. And, you know, I just wonder how he's going to speak to their constituencies and what that looks like and what that sounds like. Um, you know, it's similar to how people always talk to us about that. You know, we have to make it make sense for families in this city. I wonder how he makes it make sense for families in this city as well. Fair enough. Uh, but I'm, I'm not, look, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, the first part about salary. And I, I've said this all along with teachers. I have no, I don't know. They should be proud they got a raise. I mean, that's how there, yes, there are other issues uh, be, aside from money, but in our culture, we live in a capitalist country. Our culture, you know, a, a worth, quote unquote, of a profession uh, is largely demonstrated by how much you pay the people for it. And you can't live on a substandard wage. So the fact that Brandon Johnson said, I'm going to make this a priority that police officers get more money as a recognition for what they do for the she- uh, the city of Chicago is to me, and this is me speaking, not Stacey Davis Gates, is a significant overture. And I give them credit for that. And uh, I'm waiting for the other side that said that he was indifferent, he was hostile, he was a defund the policer to come out and say, you know what, we had him wrong. And guess what, Stacey? They haven't done it yet. And don't friend Duncan hasn't done it. Your old friend Paul Ballas hasn't done it. Being provocative. (laughs) Well, you know. You're being Uh, provocative. And don't hold your breath either. Don't ever hold your breath for the establishment to root for a black man to succeed unless he got a basketball on his hand. Speaking of basketball, you said you're a Bulls fan, and then we got tangented. Was there something you wanted to uh, 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 finish on that? Probably, but I don't remember it. Maybe it'll come back. Uh, All right. I hope it does. A um, couple things I want to uh, finish up about this, uh, the city council and get your thoughts on. So ladies and gentlemen, before Stacey Davis, gave, I'm going to let reveal a little secret here. Uh, before Stacey was the head of the, um, the Chicago teachers union, she was the political director. Uh, and as such, she dealt with state reps, state senators and alder people all the time. And as such, we had many conversations both on a mic and off the record about politics, just the way power is yielded, the way mayors try to uh, manipulate the uh, situation in front of them uh, to get what they want, 
and uh, the pushback from people who disagree with them, et cetera, and so forth. We had many, con- uh, and I, one of the things I had to kind of smile about, and again, I am not, I am not uh, dismissing the allegations about Carlos, but one of the things I had to smile about, uh, Stacy, was this notion that he bullied in a way that no other mayor had bullied before. And I lived through the daily years, and I lived through the Rom years, okay? Rom got a 50 to nothing vote on his first budget, 50 to nothing. Rom closed 50 schools yes. in this city on children and families who don't have. Rom closed mental health care clinics on sick people. Yes. Man, and, please. And that and, vote came that came on a 50 to nothing vote, closing those clinics. Man, and right before people better what? define cruel the right way. No, and but, people go ahead, I'm sorry. I to finish this point and get your response. That 50 to nothing vote to close those clinics came right before a redistricting. <laughs> and you know how many aldermen told me, Ben, I didn't want to vote for that budget, but literally I was told that my political future dependent on it do you understand stacy so now they're acting like this is the first time in history that a mayor or a mayor's representative has what suggested there may be a political payback for not doing what the mayor wants your thoughts the rules are different for black people and especially for black leadership always have always will be the definitions the analysis the rubrics um, it's just what it is. And the absence of a race analysis and how this moment is being translated outwardly is um, it's irresponsible and it's malpractice. It just is. And, and now they're like putting a layer of like soap opera on it, starring Ray Lopez and Anthony Bill. You know, mm-mm. And then you see you see the people who are on Fox News and a diner in Naperville testifying in front of city council today. Like, for real, we got to have real conversation about what we're all experiencing in this moment. Paul Vallis still gets to write a column in the Tribune. When does the loser get a microphone? You get a one-way trip to like go away for a while, regroup and maybe come back and do something where you're a bit more gracious. That's typically how it happens when white men ascend to power, right? You give them an opportunity. You still got Paul out here. And then so the Tribune wouldn't be called racist. They went and got Willie Wilson to do the same thing, right? So they get to like still campaign. They get to still campaign. (laughs) <laughs> That's interesting. And then all of these people, after, the tribe did it. <clears throat> the tribe, it's a um, multimedia news experience. Um, they did an expose which connected Paul Vallis's money to like all of these people who are aggrieved by stuff. And it's the same people who got Paul's money that's rocking a microphone at city council in the same way that they did during the election. These aren't real people, right? These, this, this is manufactured, right? And, and so we do have real things going on. There are real problems in this city and there are real challenges in this city. 
And the Republican governors from red states are sending buses, Abbott, Texas, sending a buses here with people who have nothing to a place where we ain't got enough already. So of course that is gonna like exacerbate tensions. Have you ever lived in a household where it ain't enough? And it's a mother and a father, good Lord. Sorry, mom, sorry, dad, We're telling our business. But when it's not enough, it puts stress on a household. And those emotions are real, especially when your needs are going unmet. And now you bringing in something extra? Give me a break. This is a bad episode of Good Times. <laughs> it is. And people, and people want to act like it's something else. You got the renter protesters who were working with Paul Vallis, still working. You got Paul Vallis and Willie Wilson still campaigning with the Tribune. And then just for posterity, throw in the Illinois Policy Institute to try and bring CTU down because if CTU ain't here, then of course Brandon Johnson goes away, right? Like, give me a break. The right wing is real and they are especially influential in communities of color because they are the ones who robbed our communities. So they know we need something. So when they drop bags off in our communities and try and buy Black people to work for them, of course they get takers. They want jobs. That's the whole point of Mayor Johnson. See the irony here that we're dealing with? See the dimension of pain and trauma? So yeah, miss me, Ray Lowe. We'll get to the right wing and uh, specifically Trump in a little while. And uh, yes, that's... I, I hear what you're saying, and this is this is so frustrating, Stacy, uh, that it's not an all hands on deck moment. Uh, it's always all hands on deck moment. It's whose hands are privileged enough to touch this mess, right? Man, please, this work of organizing is such a privilege because the people who need it the most are surviving from check to check. If they're even doing that. And how do you organize? You know, this 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 city has always acts a lot out of its people. It has, and it rises to the occasion. I really believe that with everything that's happening in this moment, that we're on the precipice of something spectacular. Um, we have leadership that is values driven. We have, look, you saw Emma. Emma loves her city. Emma loves her leadership. Carlos loves his city. He loves his leadership. They both are humbled by the opportunity. That's the only way you see that level of vulnerability. It was when people actually have an affection and a love for the thing that they're doing, their service. And so I hope that's not lost on any of us today. I hope that that's the thing we take away from today. And not just as a silver lining, but as the lesson. Uh, all right, let's go back to something uh, before we uh, bring it over to to the uh, right wing uh, and and Trump. Let's go back to something you said at the very outset. I wrote it down and uh, meant to bring it back to you. Uh, I was talking about crowding the ballot, and you said, yes, crowd the ballot. Uh, so this has to do with the issue of whether uh, Raylo and Beal can get their uh, referendum question on the sanctuary. I've already pointed out that they want to uh, strip uh, – they want the voters to weigh in on something that has absolutely nothing to do with the situation of uh, Venezuelan immigrants being bussed up uh, from Texas by Governor Abbott. 
Uh, but uh, why don't you uh, take time to finish your thoughts on crowding the ballot? Go ahead. Why wouldn't you crowd the ballot? I mean, like, honestly, they want to crowd it with nonsense. I've always crowded it with nonsense. Every year this time, Rahm Emanuel puts on there, should Miss Piggy give Kermit a chance? Yeah. Right? That's question one. Question two is, um, should Mighty Miles finally retire his cape? And then, like, question three, um, DC or Marvel, right? That, that Those are the questions. Go back and look. I'm not exaggerating here. Like, people acting like this is brand new. They're having a debate over what should be on the ballot that matters in this moment. It is an ideological and, quite frankly, a priorities, budgets-based debate happening here. See, I would prefer this debate other than the cookie and bozo debate, right? This debate says we deserve to be a sanctuary city and we ain't got enough money to treat these people the way that they need to be treated. That's the debate happening here, right? But let me add a dimension to that debate. You got to also have a debate on the public accommodation. Is it worth it? Hey, that's the question to put on there, right? Should we have public libraries? Should we have public clinics and hospitals, treatment, not trauma, open into this year? Should we have public schools, right? Because that's what the IPI is hitting me in the head about. They want the public school to go away. They said, let's fund the private school. That's what's happening in this moment. So let's have the real debate because that is what the right wing is provocating in this moment. This isn't simply about they don't like socialists or progressives or, you know, any of this stuff. This is about whether taxpayer money goes to corporations or working families. That's the debate that we're having right now. The city is full of working families. Most people do work. They might work under the table or off the books. They might do work that people don't recognize, but people are working here, right? And so the question that is being posed in Chicago with this mayor and with that city council is, do we reaffirm public accommodations? Now, after you establish the, the yes or the no on that one, then you got to also establish, do you want to make it affordable to live in the city? Right. And then when people need help, how do we help them? Not if, not if, but how and perhaps how much, because there is a reality to these budgets. So those are the debates. And I welcome those debates. The problem is, is that you have a clown show provocating from the inside, literally a clown show in a car and everything. Right. Trying to provocate stuff so he can go on Fox News and have a conversation with people who don't even really like him. He in that sentence, I presume, is Raymond Lopez, or did I, did I miss something that Anthony Beal go on Fox News? I don't know. I know Ray Lopez. Ain't, he, ain't Ray Lopez a, a season regular? He's been on many times, yes. I was. I just wanted to make sure you were talking about Raymond Lopez, not Anthony Beal, because I was like, did Anthony Beal go on Fox and I missed that? Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, just uh, so everybody knows, uh, Stacey Davis Gates is absolutely correct on that uh, that point she made that it was standard procedure for Rom 
to clog the ballot, to crowd the ballot, as they say, uh, with meaningless questions uh, in order mainly to avoid uh, putting it to the public whether they wanted an elected school board. If you recall, Stacey, that was the issue that he really wanted. And listen to this. You know, nah, go ahead, go ahead. I, I just I just remember being a part of movements who wanted to put on the ballot to reopen the mental health care clinics, right? Going from door to door, the same thing for elected school board. Now his refusal made us stronger because all they did was force us into conversations with real voters. So shout out to Ron. You know what I'm saying? You made the movement that elected Brandon Johnson. Ain't that some irony, right? So this idea that it it was to, you know, for our detriment actually made us stronger. And I would tell people that in this moment where they are making all of these postmortems of the movement and what is happening and the leadership of our mayor, I would advise them not to do that because history tells us something very different. What does history tell us? That we're going to overcome these moments and we're going to be stronger because of these moments. That when the movement is challenged, it rises to the occasion. All right. We'll make a shift at that point uh, and go to national politics. And you, I mean, the national is the local. And I've seen uh, MAGA make some inroads in the city of Chicago, started with the ballots campaign. And well, that was very successful for them at many levels. Uh, and it's continuing, I think, right now with this debate over uh, the Venezuelan refugees or immigrants. Um, the, the paper, the New York Times the other day had the, a poll that showed Donald Trump was ahead in swing states over Joe Biden. Okay. I just shake my head when I saw that. Uh, so why don't we just start with that and get your thoughts on where we're at politically uh, at this moment. You know, I know we're a long way out from the November 2024 election. Uh, a lot can happen. But uh, your sense of where we're at right now as we head into the election year. Um, see, I hate that we're boiling it down to an election year. I think that um, what's happening in these moments, like we literally have Republicans believing that it is, they're doing an action on Chicago and Denver and um New York, right? All of these cities where they're sending people, they're they're doing an action. And we're organizers, so you do actions, but they're trafficking human beings in their actions. And so when people are talking about what we are up against, these people don't have any scruple standards, integrity, like what they will go, the the lengths and the dimensions in which they will go to to win or try to win. Um, is pretty frightening, pretty frightening. And I, and I think that we have to begin to reassess the right wing in this moment because it is not conventional. It, it has ceased adhering to whatever rules of engagement used to govern this. And there needs to be an understanding of what we're up against in this moment Ron DeSantis is running for president of the United States. And he said, my people <laughs> rode a cruise ship to America to live on a big farm, to go to job training programs, to become artisans. That's the history that he's telling in Florida right now and is daring people to tell him he's wrong. 
that's frightening. That is frightening. And what's even more frightening is that we are not clarifying the stakes in this moment and what that means. And I'm not talking about just simply in terms of who it, who embodies the candidate like Donald Trump or um, President Biden. I'm not just simply talking about like the, the act of the electoral dance, but talking about what are the terms of the debate and what do we believe those terms of the debate are and how are we going to organize for those terms? Because in order to win, either one of them will capitulate to what the ground says it has to capitulate to. That's how you build a different Chicago. And uh, into the particular about Donald Trump's popularity. Help me with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about every, things having changed. Um, even in my ancient years, there's uh, where I have a lot of memories to look back on, politically speaking. I can't, nothing like this. Where a political figure uh, and under indictment, four separate venues, with very strong cases uh, built against them, uh, has turned that. It's like using the rhetoric of like, like the the new left from the '60s before you were born. I mean, like he is the victim of this great injustice uh, and is defying uh, anybody who t- dares to hold him accountable. Would be so popular that this figure would be so popular. Help me understand this, uh, Stacy, because I don't think you could do a counter. Uh, to it, politically speaking, until you understand what exactly you're up against. So try to help me understand what is behind this. Well, what is behind this? I mean, I don't know. I Actually, I just think that everything is getting harder right now. I am most struck in this moment by our inability to save our planet. Like that one right there is stopping me dead in my tracks. I cannot for the life of me figure out how we're going to have all these other fights and debates and without saving our actual home, like where we occupy space to do the things that either right or wrong we're doing. Like if we can't be united on that, then we are about to like just, what is it? Like fall over the cliff. Because even if I want to debate you about, I don't know, vouchers in public school education, we got to have earth to do it with. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it seems fundamental to this idea of the push and pull of politics that we, we agree that we have to save the earth. And we can't even do that. So I'm saying that this moment should be instructive to what we're up against, actual irrationality, unreasonableness, a a, a dissonance from the reality under which we are all experiencing. Now that is frightening. So um, the way in which we engage in this moment is becoming harder to understand because we have to agree on something. Everything can be a disagreement. But somehow it is. 
Yeah, there's very little that anybody agrees on absolutely uh, anywhere. Uh, so we'll close again. Uh, I'll try to be a little positive uh, in closing because I've been accused of being uh, too pessimistic from time to time. People say that about me. Well, God bless us. Uh, wait, God bless the people who say I'm too pessimistic or God bless me for trying to uh, be a little optimistic? God bless all of us, honestly. You know, um, the word of God says it rains on the just as it does the unjust. So even though some of us may think that that's karma for, you know, whomever we think it's karma for, if we are in and around that space and that karma defaults us as well because we're connected to it. So, you know, everybody getting wet. So that's why I say God bless all of us because somehow whatever befalls you that doesn't work, will have some sort of impact on me. And I don't want negative impacts. Fair enough. I was thinking uh, much more uh, <laughs> politically, uh, but you went deep on me, started quoting the Bible and everything. Uh, I felt like Fred Sanford in that scene when he's in jail and Esther pulls out the Bible. And I'm like, that's way before your time. Oh, um, no, we watch on Esther in my household. In uh, fact, In fact, we'll end on this note. I got something <laughs> funny for you. So I think it was my son. It was his 10th birthday. And of course, my kids discovered um, reruns on television and Fred Sanford was one that they discovered. And I grew up watching it on TBS, you know, in that evenings and afternoons, reruns or whatever. And so I'm already a fan. It's like it's some of the best TV ever for me. Completely inappropriate. How did it ever get on TV? And Fred Sanford is not Fred Sanford, but Red Fox is a comedic genius. All of that. Right. And. So my kids love it. And so Rollo, who has a real name, but I don't know what it is. He passed away when my son was like 10 and during that time. And you would have thought that they lost an uncle, a distant cousin, because it was like Rollo died. Oh my goodness, Rollo is dead. As if they know Rollo, as if Rollo is a part of their 20, you know, 20, you know, ex experience. You know what I'm saying? 2019 experience. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yes, we know Fred Sanford. Uh, well, Rollo was actually in jail. And this is one of the greatest scenes ever of all time. And I urge all my uh, younger listeners to to Google it. You could follow it, find it on YouTube. They're in jail, and Esther comes to bail them out. It's truly one of the funniest scenes, in my humble opinion. And she goes, oh. <laughs> and Esther, she's always reading the Bible, and Fred is very much, what's the word, a secular type of guy, okay? He's not going to. And so she goes, ah, oh, you're a captive audience. You're in jail. She pulls out this enormous Bible, I don't know, huge Bible, and starts reading it to him. Anyway, enough reminiscence. Uh, all right, Stacy. Uh, it's a pleasure talking to you as always. You're in there, right there with with Carlos. Okay, all right. No matter what they say, I'm in here with Chicago. I'm with Carlos and I'm with Emma. Look, I can I understand that Emma had a trauma response, and you know I appreciate the Otterman for acknowledging that and attesting to that. We can hold both of them. We are big enough. Our hearts are big enough. You know, our capacity is big enough to hold both of them. That's Stacey Davis-Gates, ladies and gentlemen, president of the Chicago Teachers Union. And I also want to thank producer Chris. He does an outstanding job. And I'm sure that Stacey, Carlos, and Emma Mitz will all agree. Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. 
Peace and love, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Ben Jarofsky Show, brought to you by the Chicago Reader. Find even more at chicagoreader.com. If you want to find Ben Jarofsky on Instagram, follow him at Benny J Show. And please remember to like and subscribe to The Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.